where I am in life, I've forgotten anything about dating. You know, my wife and I go on dates and we try to get a movie in and maybe have dinner and just come home quickly as possible before kids get out of control. And um, it's different circumstances. But I want to talk to uh, the men, actually, and, and women, as you observe, as you are called to be a helper and to be submissive to your husbands, uh, to preparing for leadership. You know, one thing that I try to do, or I'm trying to do, and my wife and I, or for my boys, for Derek and Nolan is, what, what can I do to help them? Besides praying for them, teaching them. But one practical, more important aspect of, of uh, just shepherding them is to teaching them to be leaders as men. Um, preparing them, giving them opportunities to lead. And they're young men now, but just like at our church, in our philosophy, James and I, we as philosophy of leadership at churches, you know, men, we, you get married, and no one's a perfect man when you get married. And if you're waiting for a man to be perfect before they're married, no one will get married, right? <laughs> or very few people will get married. So there's no point in that. Even in our leadership, we don't put people in leadership. I think the only gates that we really keep high is for elders, but other people, we can't give people opportunities to lead. They're not perfect leaders, but give chances for people to lead and to have opportunities to grow in those areas. So, um, this is all in the preparation. I'm asked, what I want to cover today is biblical leadership. And perhaps if you want to see it from a sister's perspective, these are perhaps the qualities you would want to see. I'll give you pointers. And there's some hidden pointers, but I'll clearly point them out to you for those of you who don't see. So, these are the qualities you'd want to see. This is what I would advise. I always try to think of it from a father's perspective. Why would I tell Lindsay to look how she should look for in a prospective husband is some of these qualities. Okay? If these qualities are met, man, then we're, we're a good start. That guy may not be perfect, but if you have these things, I'd be a um, um, pretty um, blessed man. So that's where we are. Just to start out, you know, one of the big, um, one of my favorite movies of all time, or TV series, or however you want to call it, is... Uh, it's an absolute must-watch for men, and some of you um, sisters, I mean, you should watch it too. Um, my wife and I watch it together. It's kind of tough, but it's Band of Brothers. You need to watch this. You're a real man. You need to put down, forget Pride and Prejudice. You know, you sisters should have uh, Band of Brothers evening. And, and it's re- You talk about leadership. There's... A lieutenant winners who, who becomes a major Dick Winners is uh, a man. I don't know if he was a Christian man, but uh, besides spiritual, just a pure man as a leader, you would want, I would my, want my children, my boys, to be like him. They said his, his men told him that they would have fo- followed major winners to hell, and they know they would win. That kind of feedback um, they got. You know, you see there's a scene, or there's a one uh, episode where they're in the, it's the winter of 44. They're in Bastogne, and these people, they're, it's freezing, freezing cold. They're trying to keep it together, and he's a battalion chief. And they're under the siege. They're just getting bombarded. They're just trying to survive. They can't even attack or forward. They're getting bombarded. And 
and, the, and they have orders now to go forward. And there's a town of Foy. That's the next town they're going into. And they have orders to overtake that town. They just look at the town. They look at through the binoculars. There's Germans all over. What do they do? You just go in. They send the guy to go in. They had this um, inept leader named Lieutenant Dykes. He was just a, uh, a loser. He, just, he was never around. And he didn't know how to lead. He didn't know how to command, make decisions. They told him to lead, and he goes in. He doesn't know what to do. He's freezing. He can't give orders. But then the bad thing about if you're in the military, in the war, men literally die in poor leadership. Men literally die because of him. And Dick Winters looks at this and says, what's going on? And he wants to go himself. Because he used to lead this men until he was promoted. He's about to go in, and his commanding officer stops him. Don't go in. And he sends then sends. Lieutenant Spears, and they take the town. And that's what kind of leader he is. Well, that's a military leader. But what is a biblical leader? What is a godly leader? What is a husband? You know, there's a difference between general leadership and spiritual leadership. You know, spiritual leadership transcends personality or other natural gifts. You know, spiritual leader influences others because he's ordained by God, he's guided by the Word, and man who is on his knees, as Jason taught us this morning, one who prays. He's truly a godly leader because he influences others spiritually. You know, men, you're called to be leaders. Okay? There's no option. There's no failure in this. In order, If you want to become a husband, you need to be a leader. Husband is leadership. Father is leadership. Okay? It requires, spiritual leadership requires spiritual fortitude, not human power. The important factor in this is that it cannot be generated by yourself. No matter how much you want to do it, how much you want to do this, in the real world, you could muster up enough strength to be a leader in your department or a supervisor or run a small company. Okay? But you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay. There are self-made leaders in the world, but there's no self-made, there aren't any self-made spiritual leaders. Okay. It is all done by measure of God's grace. Okay. And spiritual leader understands that. A true spiritual leader understands that. He is willing to work tirelessly, okay, tirelessly, thanklessly, to the end, whatever is required from God. Because the glory is not himself. The object of glory is God and has eternal perspective. So the leader's perspective is one who understands this. One who understands that he prioritizes his private ministry. For you single men, yourself. You have to manage yourself and lead yourself and shepherd your own heart before you public ministry. Because public ministry, you could be anything you want to be. You could, you could fool me. You could fool James. You can't fool God. You could feel a full other men. But you're ultimately, if your private ministry in your own life is not right before the Lord, it'll surface. Because, you know, sisters, one thing you have to know is that men, including myself, are generally very, very selfish. Men have to overcome their selfishness. That's maturity. Not just uh, uh, spiritual maturity, but more importantly, as, as spiritual sense, are very, very selfish. Men, we must overcome our selfishness. Our joy in life, 
our service in life. The object is not ourselves. So practically, we, uh, spiritually, we serve God. But our, our maturity, our level of sanctification is known by how we serve others. Okay? So key trait of a true biblical leader, as a father or a husband in the home, is the flock. Object is others. Biblical leader serves others. Matthew 20 said, Is it not so among you? But whoever wishes to become the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first, you shall be your slave. Just as Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life for ransom for many. Okay. So, sisters, I look for a man who serves others with their heart. Not to be shown, but in the private moments. You know what I'm mostly encouraged by? But men serving others, even other men, privately. When I hear about these things, I, I didn't dream of or thought about, uh, even, even conceived of, but I hear people who are serving others in their own way. So brothers, that it's a whole hospitality concept of even serving strangers. Serve those who are difficult to serve. Minister to those who are difficult to minister. Again, selfishness is, is the battle that we have to overcome. Spiritual leadership, church leadership, is, or familial leadership, is servant leadership. Okay? Now, Christ was our perfect example, right? Christ was our perfect example. You know, even I read a leadership business uh, article this week. Even Jack Welch said that. A true manager, a true leader, is nurtures other people. Too. He doesn't try to do himself with his personality, his ability, but he allows other people to help him to become a greater leader. That's a leader who nurtures other people. And Oswald Sanders, in his book, Spiritual Leadership, says similarly the same thing. Spiritual leadership is servant leadership. Man's leading, his prominence is leading by diligently serving others. His greatness is by serving others diligently. Bruce Stabbard says this, Authority is deficient without servanthood. It is not about who makes a decision, but who actually serves. So what is the self-image of a servant leader? Is that a true shepherd, a true servant, is one who has an understanding, a biblical concept of himself, is that of a sinner who deserves nothing. Okay. All he has, he understands that all he has is grace from grace of God, that he, is, he has those things because God allowed those things, that his flock or others are a gift to him so that he may serve them. Romans 12.3 For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of yourself more highly than others, but you ought to think. Okay, Paul warns us, because this is a day of self-fulfillment. This is a day of self-centeredness. Okay? This is a day of self-actualization. Okay? People sometimes use ministry and others for their own end. And that's a wrong image of a, a biblical leader. A true image of a biblical leader is one that is of a sinner, that, that based on the concept of God's grace, understanding everything comes from Him. The identification is with Christ. That our self-value comes from Him. 
So I want to quickly cover three prerequisites of godly leader. Let's talk about interactive time. What are some or attributes or characteristics of a ungodly leader or some what leader is not? What are some attributes? Emotional. What else? Selfish, right? Selfish. Passive. That's a good one. Passive. That's on my list here. What else? Lazy. Lazy. Foolish. Right? Unwise. What else? Who said that? Prideful. Okay. Not humble. Or irresponsible. Not responsible. Or complacent. Indulgent. The last one I get a practical. Taker is not a giver. A taker who wants things for himself. Okay. To prevent these, these are, these are prerequisites. I'll go through them really quickly. The last one. The first one is he must have a strong spiritual uh, spiritual life, spirit-led life. Having a spirit-led life. This is obvious, right? Ephesians five eighteen. We are to be filled with the spirit. This means to be controlled by the Spirit. How do you be controlled by the Spirit? The Word of God guides you. Okay? As Christ is their example, that not our sinful nature, our selfish nature, the Word of God made. Number one, we need to be a study or, 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 or dweller of God's Word on a regular basis, if not daily. The Word of God must richly dwell in your heart constantly, daily. You must have a discipline. I'll talk about discipline a little bit later. But that's a must. Prayer life. Okay? Man must pray. Okay? Man must pray. If you rely, again, remember, he said, self-image is, that is one who is, understands God's grace. You must pray. We're sinners. Okay? Number two is having one who has confidence in God only. Okay? Because he understands he is weak. Okay. Our sufficiency is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything, being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Okay. Christ said in John 15, without me you can't do nothing. Okay. In a leader who, who, under, uh, who forgets his weakness will inevitably fall. Okay. Paul's greatness was his, his strength, was his dependency on God. And recognize his own weakness. We see in First Corinthians 2, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you in the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ, Him crucified. I came to you with weakness and fear and with trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but God's power. One who understands that. Having confidence in God. Not of yourself. Okay? If you have confidence in all those letters behind your name and your resume or wherever you come from, um, you fall very, very short. We will fail as leaders. Okay? Thirdly, this is more practical. Yeah, I preach this to brothers all the time. If, I'm, if you ever spend one-on-one time with you, I preach this all the time. Have Wise counsel from leaders 
and other older men. You don't even have to include me in this area. Just have people who are older and wiser. Why? Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Proverbs 24.5 says, A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. For by the wise guidance you will wage war. In abundance of counselors, there is victory. So when you wage war, okay, when you wage war, you need to have wise counselors in order to win victory. And that's the same as life. So another point for sisters. Look for a man who has his close relationships that he's learning from is older wise men that you would respect or other men respect. Okay? If they're getting advice from their like peers or friends, maybe some of their friends could be wise as well. But look for men who have older wise relationships. There's a wise young man. Okay? There's safety in multitude of counsel. A wise biblical counseling. Because okay? older men will generally tell you the truth. Because you could have friends who will tell you to fit your needs. Fit, you, you hear counsel, listen to people who will tell you to fit your needs. But if you have a wise multitude of counsel, you're more likely to get the truth. Right? More to get the truth. Okay? It keeps you on track. It keeps you on track. You know, it's, when I, I, I was a trained accountant, and one thing, you know, we're, we had tax courses. You know, the Internal Revenue Code is just volumes of volumes of volumes of this information. It's ludicrous. No accountant, I don't care how good you are, you don't sit there and memorize the Internal Revenue Code. It is impossible. And plus, about three, four years, they change the rules anyway. Okay, they're always changing. The, so, one of the lessons I learned, I still remember this, what a professor told me, is that, you don't memorize the code. Just know where to look it up. Okay? At the time, there's libraries. Could just go look it up. Now you can go on the internet and look it up. All of you could look it up. Okay? It's not rocket science. So, go know where to look it up. Well, in life, in biblical wisdom, learn to look up those things by having wise counselor to guide you, help guide you in life. Okay? What does Jeremiah 17:9 say? Your heart is deceitful. Okay. Young men, the hearts are deceitful. Young women, the hearts are deceitful. You can't, don't trust yourself. Don't trust, oh, I feel this. Okay, that's like the worst thing to uh, start off a conversation with older men is, oh, I, I, I felt this. Well, your heart is deceitful, young man. It's not going to go very well. Okay, don't trust yourself. I shouldn't trust myself. You have multi, you know, well, your husbands have wives, first of all, their main counsel. Okay, they'll tell you the truth. Then you have wise men around you, they'll tell you the truth. Okay. Seek that. A sensible man will hear the right voices and listen to them and help them make right decisions. Okay, there's two attributes of a godly leader, a biblical leader I want to share with you today. <coughs> Number one, leadership through discipline. You must be disciplined. I shared with these briefly, I shared with the men and pillars. This goes to all men, not single men, not just older men, all men, period. Okay? Discipline. Okay, for your sisters, another pointer. Pointer number three is look for, look for his, list, um, his habits in life. How disciplined he is. Okay. You know, Raymond Erdman, Edmund said this. He said, ours is an um, undisciplined age 
old disciplines are breaking down. Above all, the disciplines of divine grace is derided as legalism and entirely unknown to a generation largely illiterate in scripture. An important thing. We need, to be, we need the rugged strength of a Christian character that only comes from discipline. Okay. What is the goal of discipline? It's godliness. Christianity is discipline. Godliness requires discipline. Okay. It is a measure of how uh, spiritual one is. You could tell by how disciplined he is. Spiritual discipline makes a godly person. There's a difference between a busy person and a godly person in spiritual disciplines. Okay? Disciplines doesn't guarantee godliness, but without discipline, there is no chance. You don't stand a chance. Okay? Discipline doesn't guarantee godliness, but you don't stand a chance. You know, spiritual disciplines are not there for, not intended to be there because you have a lot of spare time. You should have spare time. You should be disciplined. Okay? It's God's given measure of grace. What is that grace? It's through discipline. Do you understand? The avenue to um, godliness in the busiest life is discipline. There's no other way. Okay? That's the antidote. That's the answer. Gentlemen, brothers, my beloved brothers, I know you all want to be married, most of you anyway. Okay? If you can't discipline your life now, it'll be, you, it'll be very, very difficult for you. You'd, you want to have families. You have another shepherd, another person to shepherd. You have God to grant your children. You have other people to shepherd. These people, their lives, not only physically, more importantly, spiritually, absolutely depend on you. You are the pastor in the home. How can you expect to succeed? How can we expect to succeed? Me as a father and husband. To be, to lead a godly family without discipline. Okay? That's the biggest challenge I have with men and pillars. You know? We talked about this in our staff retreat. That's the biggest challenge facing this church. I'm not saying we have a bunch of lazy men over there. I don't want you to say that. Okay? But that's a challenge you face in any society, any group. That's a challenge. Because all of those people smart people, they're well-educated, and they're very, very busy. Okay? But that doesn't excuse us. You're busy, okay? If everybody has limited time, 24 hours in the day, but there's no other option but to be, but to be leaders. You have to, the only way to con- uh, confront that is discipline. Okay? Discipline. Don Whitney says, Godliness comes through discipline. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hand makes man poor, but diligent hand brings wealth. Hebrews 6.11 We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order that you make your hope sure. We do not want to become lazy, but imitate those who, who through faith and patience inherit what, the, what was promised. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Here's a key verse here. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Okay? I'm not saying just saying this. Don Whitney is not saying this. This, the very words of God, through Paul, who wrote to Timothy, said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Okay, that word discipline is gymnasia, which is where we get the word gymnasium. It's 
literally spiritual exercise, training yourself to be disciplined. Okay. Those of you who play sports, right? Your brothers and your sisters came and watched sports. I play golf. I don't know how some of you play golf. The important thing in sports is muscle memory. You try to repeat the same motion. And those of you who play basketball, you guys know that feeling, right? When you let go of a shot, it's about a third of the way in there, you know it's going in. Right? You shoot the ball and you start backpedaling because you know it's going in. Right? You raise your arm, it goes in. All that. It's muscle memory. When you lose your fingers, you feel it. You brothers know what I mean. Right? You feel it. That's muscle memory. You have done it so many times before. When it leaves you, you know it's going in. You know? That's what Kobe felt the, the last Sunday night. Right? 81, all 81 points of it. Okay? He only did it once too. Okay? Not twice. As a joke for Billy. Anyway, <laughs> you have that memory embedded in your in physically. That's what we do spiritually. We do it over and over again, where this becomes just part of us, our lives, being disciplined. Okay. That's that's a key aspect of our lives. It's key aspect of sanctification and holiness. It's not an option for God's children, and especially not an option for God's leaders. Okay? Man's holiness depends upon one's spiritual disciplines. Proverbs 23.12 Apply your heart to be disciplined. Training your heart to be disciplined. Okay? Stretch yourself. Practically, what does it look like? I explained to men like that. It's called, James and I, we, when we look for people, I look for these people and people who are to be leaders in the church and elsewhere as people what I call bandwidth. People who could stretch themselves. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. They find themselves find a way to do it. Everybody has the same amount of hours in a day, but they do it and some people can't. Why? They have bandwidth. They are able to stretch themselves. They juggle family. They juggle their uh, work life, ministry. And they're able to lead and they have joy about this. And they're enjoying their life fully in the Lord. Pleasing the Lord in all angles. Because all of us, because men, we'll be married, we'll have children, ministry needs to go on, and we still need to bring home the bacon. Right? There's no other option, men. There's no other option. Ministry serving God, serving Christ, must go on. Married men need to go on mission and mission trips. Okay. Be a leader in that area. You know, I challenge the men in pillars. Don't let single people go on mission trips. Hog it all for yourself. Go on. Be a leader in that. Take your children if you have to. Do whatever you have to. Be a leader. Don't let single men set the bar for you to follow. That's backwards. That's poor leadership. I challenge you men to be, become that man when you are leading your families. To be mass disciplined is to master yourself. Bandwidth. To stretching yourself. Oh, just sometimes you talk to uh, some people and brothers and go, oh, geez, you know, I'm so tired, I'm so busy. You know, who's not? Right? Who's not? The question to you is some people say, as Christians or just people, say, oh, they have, you know, there's such thing as quote unquote chronic fatigue syndrome. My question to you is, why don't you have one? Everybody, every Christian, every Christian man 
should have chronic fatigue syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Being tired, you know. I often say to James, you know, we'll rest in heaven. Let's be tired on this earth. Okay? You know. I'm encouraged sometimes when men are tired and they have the bags under their eyes and black, black lines. and It's good. They're working hard then. It's good. William Barclay said this. Listen to this quote. Nothing was ever achieved without discipline. Many an athlete, many a man has been ruined because he abandoned the disciplines and let himself grow slack. No one ever reached any eminence. No one having reached it ever maintained it without discipline. And Don Whitney said this. Discipline without direction is drudgery. You know, we have, we, we need to have direction. And our direction, Christ is our goal. To be molded, to be sanctified in the image of Him is our goal. And to serve Him is our goal. You know, our Lord was the most disciplined man who ever lived. He is our example. We need to follow His example in being disciplined. And lastly, leadership through, last sec- attribute is leadership through Respect. Ephesians 5 tells us husbands are to be respected. Wives are to respect the husband. Therefore, it means it's, not, it's a command for women, but man should command that respect by his character, his life. You know, you don't want to be married and your wife finds out first month she has a difficult time respecting you. That's a terrible thought. That should wake you up at night, in the middle of the night, in cold sweat, men. You know, you don't want... You, you know, I don't know what is harder. Now, I honestly say this with all humility, but I don't know what is harder. To follow and submit to a non-believing husband who is disciplined and who, who she respects, or a believing husband who is lazy, whom she has trouble respecting. I don't know what is worse. I could need you to kind of answer that question, but think about that. Okay. You don't want, just because you're a believer, to be your wild card. You know? To be the, the get out of jail free thing. Right? Respect, respect comes from action. We need to model that. Okay? Respect comes from decisions and choices you make reaction and response to difficult circumstances and the conduct and how you uh, conduct yourself in relationships with peers and others, believers, unbelievers, co-workers, any relationship God has allowed you. I think men, there's a command again in Ephesians 5 for husbands, um, women to... uh, Wives to respect their husbands, but although it is a command, I believe it is our duty, our responsibility to earn and gain that, so that it would be easy for our our wives, your wives in the future, your future wives. You know what are three things that makes a person or leader or person not respectable? I came up with three things. This is just my own. Okay, three ways to prevent you from becoming. Respectable. 
number one, in life, I think we were challenged by this. Most of you are well-educated, and you have the corporate ladder syndrome. You want to climb the ladder, and climbing the ladder in this world, achieving a certain income bracket, salary level, is your goal. That's your excellence, and that is to your end. I think, as a Christian, as a believer, that would be a hindrance to you. How you balance that, how you discipline in balancing that, will be a key in your life. Another one is, uh, I have no, nothing personal against him, but it's the, uh, I said this before, but it's the Eldon Campbell syndrome. You kind of go on the court and in life, you're kind of sort of there, physically there, but sort of absent. You're kind of lazy, there's no desire. If God has given you a lot of abilities, physical abilities, height, and whatever. But you're not spiritually glowing, growing, or you're not planning for life. You know, it takes one day as it comes, kind of no planning, kind of reacting to a situation with no proactive uh, plans in his, in his part. Not spiritually alert. Lastly, thirdly, is the Disney character syndrome. Okay, person who hasn't grown up. Okay, he's enslaved to his habits and vices. He allows his emotions to rule. Up. He's impulsive, compulsive. He does things to the extreme, has extreme fun, plays out until you know, 4 a.m. in the morning, tired, barely makes it to class maybe, barely makes it to work. You know, you're at work at 8 o'clock, but it doesn't get you, you really don't get going until about 10.30. 10.30 comes around, at 10.45 you're thinking about what to have for lunch. You, know, you go to Best Buy and you, oh, you see a video game and you buy a video game. You know that, I shared this with Paul a couple months ago, is you know that Thomas Jefferson wrote the um, Declaration of Independence. He wrote that when he was 30. When he was 30, he wrote one of the most important documents of, in this, of this nation when he was 30. He probably started writing that about 29 or 28 or 29. What thought about writing that? What do 28, 29, 30-year-olds do in this world these days? A challenge for you? They play video games. People. Christian men, some, some I respect to a certain degree, play video games. You know, men grow up too late in this society. I call you to challenge to, to be men who are respectable. Okay? It's antithesis of a passive person. I think Susie said that. Leader is active. He continuously, actively, continuously, actively makes decisions and conducts himself in a respectable manner. Influential manner. Right? He encourages others. Right? Encourages others. But man, um, men who will encourage others and are encouraged by others. You know, man, you know, some men, you know, especially guys in pillars, they like older and they like, you know, they have that machismo going. They don't, oh, I don't need encouragement and it's okay. But you know, we all need encouragement. I'm encouraged by when you give me encouragement. Right? That helps me in my walk. We all do. And we are to do that with others. Okay? Stretching yourself. And it's difficult private ministry and public ministry as well. Okay. We need to have a good balance 
in the challenge for men and pillars for me is some people are too much uh, family centered, child centered, wife centered, and they need to come out of that. Maybe for singles, is that you need to be more private centered to work on the heart issues of your life before you serve. Okay? To develop yourself, to be influencer of yourself, shepherder of yourself. For a married man, I gauge how, they, how they're serving in the family, because I'm not there with them all, all the time, is that how they serve others in the church. Okay? But for a single man, it's hard for me to gauge how, you, uh, how you're doing your private life by just what you do in public life. Okay? Our personal walks. My ministry, guys, my teaching ministry, whatever ministry I have, is not the end. I shouldn't study the Bible because I, I teach. I have to teach. I shouldn't pray because I'm an elder. I should do those things because I'm a Christian. That's the end for me. Now, whatever else I do is the glory of God. and Let it fall where it may. But I need to do those things in my own life as an end. And for you as well. In order to be respectable. Not just serving others. Not how early but internally as well. Okay. I'll cut it a little bit short. There's other things that um, I think you need to be sensible. That's why I think we have to set young men. We have to set boundaries for ourselves. Okay. There's a lot of gray areas of your life. And this is where you need counsel as well. And remember, remembering that we our hearts are deceitful. Okay. We need to look out for our danger signs. Be careful of our desires worldly influences, wrong friendships, and develop godly friendships. This is my final thought for all those people here. Is that, you know, we must do what is hard for us, men. We need to do what is hard for us. What goes against our nature. Okay. And even Christ asked um, to have the cup taken from him. That was difficult. We must do what is hard. And we need to take courage. We need to constantly be a reformer. Your reformation is not over. Reformation of your life is not over. It's just beginning. Okay? We need to continue to grow. You men will have other people. I told this men at Pillars is that they have a responsibility of setting an example for the next generation of men. There's a Chinese proverb that says, a wise generation plants a tree so that the next generation can enjoy the coolness of its shade. Okay. Make a model or a mold, the imprint, so that there's a younger brother, younger person to follow in that mold. For the next generation of cornerstoners, make that shade. And as Pastor Jason encourages us, as a, it's an era of prayer for cornerstoners, develop discipline in all areas, especially in the area of prayer. Okay? Be a man of, known by men who have calluses on your knees because you're praying so much. Okay? You have knee problems because you have, you're praying so much on your knees. Make them be men. It's a challenge I have still, but I have not buffeted my body or discipline myself spiritually so that I, I'm a prayer warrior. That we need grace in that area. Okay? We're sinners. But let's make that our our goal this year for us as men to be men of prayer. Prayer for the church, its leaders. 
our missionaries. Let's lead in that area. That God would sanctify us. That God would unite us all together to become being more like Him. Colossians 4.2 Devote yourself in prayer. First Thessalonians 5 Praying continually. Okay. You know, I thank you for your attentiveness. You know, you know this, these aren't things that I... I'm not the man I preach. You know, uh, I preach these things to preach to myself to a large degree. But these are things that I shared, a lot of things here, in an abbreviated manner I shared with, in a three-week session with um, men and pillars. And I wanted to share with you. Because you have an opportunity. You're not there yet. Some of these people in pillars are playing the game ten points down. They're in the fight game already. Yeah. Some of you men are just preparing for the game. You know, Pastor Jason is teaching on day. Someday you'll be in pillars. But I hope that you're much more grounded in these things when you get there. Yeah. And you're leading your families. Nothing would give me more joy to see you leading your families in godliness. And devoting, serving your family, serving others. I pray that God's grace, God will give you abundant grace in the areas so that you would develop these uh, spiritual characteristics. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just a day of worship, a day of just your word being spoken, uh, just singing praises unto you. What a joy it is to me to uh, to gather with other saints and just worshiping you. And we thank you for your instruction today. The gaps I left, um, the things that I may not have articulated clearly, I pray that you would uh, fill those gaps for the men and women here, that you would cause their hearts to grow in you. I pray that uh, the men of Cornerstone would continue to grow and mature in you to become servant leaders, the men who are known by serving others, that we discipline ourselves and to uh, live our lives, not to gain respect of man, but to gain respect of you, that we would live respectable lives for your glory, that object is not to gain uh, adoration from other men, but truly, gain your approval, that we would live our lives as living sacrifices, live our lives as a sweet aroma unto you. We thank you for the men here, that you would cause all of us to grow more in humility, that we would become men of prayer, that we would buffet our bodies to become spirit-filled, spirit-led, knowing that we only have confidence in you that we trust you for all things. May the word of God ring true in all our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name.